Welcome back to another edition of the CatsIllustrated.com podcast series. I am your publisher, and today I will be your host for the show, Justin Rowland, riding solo today. TJ Walker doing his radio show, Jeff Drummond doing his thing on the ground. Got a fantastic team, feeling really good about our team right now. Adam Luckett providing coverage and, and writing all about the rest of the SEC, and Warren Taylor's providing great game coverage, practice coverage. But for today, it's going to be me. Riding solo on the podcast and just going to be sharing some final thoughts on tomorrow night's big game between Kentucky and South Carolina and what a big game it is uh, for both teams, really. Um, You think about South Carolina. South Carolina has definitely exceeded expectations. A lot of the expectations that some people, pundits, maybe some of their own fans set out for them before the season, you know, expectations aren't real. They're just imaginary. They're just projections of of, uh, of how people think that teams are going to do, but it's really not based in reality. It's based on some mixture of what they did last year and who they lost and who they brought back and kind of the standard curve for improvement and what the quarterback situation looks like and weighing concerns and reasons to be optimistic. But I don't think there's any question. South Carolina fans and, and probably Will Muschamp are probably feeling pretty good to be 2-0 and right now. Um, you know, how good is NC State? We really don't know. The defense got carved up pretty good by Marshall and former Kentucky receiver commit wannabe Tyree Brady wanted to commit to Kentucky, but not sure I ever classified him as a commitment. Um, and, and, you know, time's going to tell how vaunted that NC State defense really is, but certainly NC State's defensive line is full of talent. They got some future NFL players on that defensive line. It's, a, it's an offense that can be prolific, good skill players, solid quarterback play. Uh, and they won that game on a neutral site. Then they go into Missouri, into Columbia, and they win on the road. Uh, really not the kind of dominating, convincing win that Kentucky had at Missouri last year when Benny Snell was the workhorse with 38 carries, his career game, and Kentucky was up like 21 to nothing before Missouri knew that there was a game going on. That's not the kind of game this was. If you watched that game last week, South Carolina was down 10 to nothing. And Missouri hit on a huge pass to the tight end for for a touchdown. We're going to get to that in a little bit because that's going to be one of the keys of the game for Kentucky uh, if they're going to come away with a win in Columbia. But South Carolina has been anything but dominating in these first two weeks of the season. Fortunate, if anything, to be 2-0, outgained by NC State 2-1 in Charlotte. And against Missouri, the game was very much in doubt. The final score, 31-13, not indicative of of how the game looked if you were just watching everything besides only the scoring plays. Um, so South Carolina probably feeling pretty fortunate to be 2-0. and I will say this about South Carolina, and this is kind of all over the place, but first thought, South Carolina is an opportunistic team. I think sometimes when we call a team opportunistic, what we're really trying to say is they've been lucky. And I think sometimes the, the, the two opportunism and luck really are the same thing. You know, if you're a lucky team, then, you know, you've taken advantage of some bounces that have gone your way, and sometimes over the course of a season, only 12 games, uh, luck just does seem to favor some teams. South Carolina has been fortunate to be 2-0, and but I think they have a recipe um, for opportunism. Uh, number one, Will Muschamp is a fantastic defensive coach. He plays games very well strategically. He knows how to put their put their guys in the right situations against the right teams, knows his personnel inside and out, knows the personnel he's working against. He's a very good schemer and a game planner defensively. So, so against NC State, for instance, Chris Clark of GamecockCentral.com 
told me, you might have read on the site, Will Muschamp really didn't care about NC State's numbers. The goal was don't give up any big plays. And they've been better about not giving up big plays. You keep everything in front of you. We really don't care how many yards the other team has. We're keeping you out of the end zone. That's the goal. And they did that for the most part against Missouri with the exception of that long touchdown pass to the tight end. So, number one, South Carolina is opportunistic because Will Muschamp is a really good defensive coach. They don't have bad defensive personnel, but they don't have a lot of quality defensive personnel behind the front-line starters, especially the linebacker position and in the secondary. Um, but they've got okay personnel. You know, they've still they've still recruited some guys that had opportunities to play at other big-time programs I think the talent between Kentucky and South Carolina is pretty pretty even. The team has also been opportunistic because they've been very good on special teams, and, and namely Debo Samuel has made up for a variety of errors with two kickoff returns for touchdowns. Also, a couple of uh, a couple of big uh, runs, uh, a couple of receiving touchdowns, arguably the best player in the SEC to date through two weeks, and, and one of the most dynamic uh, players that Kentucky's going to face all season with the exception of Lamar Jackson. Uh, but there's another reason South Carolina is opportunistic. If you're you got a really good defensive coach, okay personnel, um, you, you've been very good explosive in the kicking game, and then the third key, they've got a good quarterback. They've got a good quarterback. Now, some people are reacting against this Jake Bentley hype, and they're saying, well, wait a second, wait a second. What has Jake Bentley really ever done? You know, he, he's averaging maybe like 200 passing yards per game this year, and I will I will say... I haven't been overly impressed with Bentley this season, but I also think that most people who cover South Carolina, most South Carolina fans, maybe even Bentley himself would say, yeah, he hasn't played his best football this year. He's been, you'd call him efficient. He's been mostly mistake-free. He hasn't lost games. Maybe he's been more of a game manager, a distributor, as opposed to a playmaker and super dynamic, but but I will say this, the guy has arm talent. I hate to sound like Mel Kuyper here, talking about arm talent, whatever that means, but the guy can make a lot of throws. He can put the ball where you where you want him to put it on the field. You can open up the playbook with him. He's a gamer. He's competitive. He does have a big arm. He's made some fantastic plays, had a couple of big runs to elude pressure against NC State. That were Those plays were decisive in that game. And then you go back and watch one play, and we put it in, in one of the pieces that Chris Clark helped us out with on the site um, when he rolled out and just found a guy in the back corner of the end zone against NC State. I mean, that was a phenomenal play. You, most quarterbacks just don't make that play. So the kid is a talent, and he has avoided mistakes. And when you put all those things together, that's a recipe for an opportunistic team. Now, I'm not saying South Carolina is going to be opportunistic every week. Maybe they'll lose the turnover battle against Kentucky this week. But I think when we get to the end of the season, we're going to be looking back at this South Carolina team and saying, you know, how did they win seven, eight games? You know, I don't know how many games they're going to win. But the point is, I think some some weeks they're just going to play over their head. And the outcome isn't going to reflect what the game looked like or what the numbers look like. So frankly, especially after two weeks and especially after, you know, who Kentucky has played, I wouldn't put a lot of stock into statistical analysis going into this game. I've seen some statistical analysis saying, well, this team ranks here in this category and that team ranks there in that category. The stats don't matter. They just don't matter. You know, at the end of the season, stats have a limited value in the, at college, the college level anyways. Um, week to week because the sample size is going to be pretty small and you've got to factor in strength of schedule and and all that kind of thing. But the stats don't matter at this point. I mean, I, I wouldn't even bother rattling off stats in, in most cases. They're just totally irrelevant. They're, they don't mean anything 
going into this game. I'm talking more in terms of what I've seen from these teams. I think Kentucky and South Carolina have pretty even personnel at most positions. Um, I would give Kentucky um, the edge at, at the starter running back. I think Snell is, is better than South Carolina's starter running back, Rico. I think uh, South Carolina has the edge at wide receiver. I think the tight ends are pretty even. I think the offensive lines are pretty even, kind of like South Carolina's offensive line and pass protection on the basis of holding NC State's pass rush for the most part at bay. Although I think Kentucky's defense or Kentucky's offensive line has more potential to blow open holes in the running game, and that that's what they've got to do on Saturday night. Um, defensive lines I think are pretty even, but they're kind of tough to judge because of the competition factor. Both of them have question marks, but both have probably overperformed relative to expectations before the season. I like Kentucky's linebackers over South Carolina's linebackers. And the secondaries are pretty even. I think Kentucky has a little bit more depth in the secondary, but I think South Carolina's secondary has played better than Kentucky so far this year. I think they've, they've allowed a lower passer rating to Finley and Locke, two quarterbacks who are going to have good good numbers at the end of the year, two good quarterbacks. They've allowed a lower passer rating to those guys than Kentucky has to the quarterbacks for Eastern Kentucky and Southern Miss, two less accomplished guys. Um, not not bad passing teams. Eastern Kentucky passed the ball, and Southern Miss usually passed the ball pretty well, but I just think South Carolina's secondaries perform better. The quarterbacks, um, you know, no matter what I say, somebody's going to find something to complain about it. I, I, I would give Bentley a slight edge over Steven Johnson, but I don't think that the edge is so great that that would be what I would base my prediction on. You know, I think Steven Johnson has performed well in road games recently, you go back to the Tennessee game last year. Certainly wasn't the reason they lost to Tennessee. Made some big plays in that game. Um, you go to the Louisville game uh, at the end of last season. I think uh, he has he he definitely you know you 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 beat out the Heisman Trophy winner on his home field at the end of last season. That's a, that's a great road performance, and I think he was better than people gave him credit for at Southern Miss. But it's going to be a great atmosphere at South Carolina. I saw earlier today that. There would be an expected record. 14,600 South Carolina students claim tickets for this game. And it's a a sold-out blackout. took a while to sell it out, but it's a sold-out blackout crowd. Night game, the most students that have ever attended a South Carolina football game. What does that say about where Kentucky's program has come? And some of that is because South Carolina is 2-0 and this is their first home game. And those fans are eager to welcome home a team that, you know, has them really happy to be 2-0. But some of it is Kentucky. Kentucky's stature, Kentucky's prestige has been elevated in recent years. The trajectory of the win total under Mark Stoops, the quality of play, more more than anything in this particular game, people people in South Carolina realize that Kentucky's won three games in a row against South Carolina. So you know, I, I think that the the factors that are they're going to shape a huge home field advantage for South Carolina in this game are in part a testament to Kentucky's improvement as a program and the perception of Kentucky's program under Mark Stoops. So kudos to that, for, uh, to them for that. Um, it is going to be very difficult to win in that road environment, especially with such a banged-up team, um, especially you know missing Jordan Jones defensively. One of the keys to the game is going to be how do Kentucky's linebackers, who as a group, giving a group effort, step up <clears throat> to make up for the absence of Jordan Jones. The coaches told reporters in Lexington <laughs> after practice yesterday that it's going to be uh, it's going to be a combination of Eli Brown, who's gotten a lot of game experience this year, 
and Jamar Boogie Watson, who was on the oar line at the Mike spot on the second string behind Courtney Love, along with Cash Daniel. So Watson, the pretty athletic guy, um, you know, I think he's progressed at a very, very nice pace. He was a two-star recruit, uh, but he's somebody that I said I was extremely high on and thought he could have as good a career as most anybody in that 2016 class. Um, so I'm not at all surprised that he stepped up and and he's going to be asked to make his first big contributions as a Wildcat this weekend. He had a phenomenal spring game, as did several other young linebackers. And I have no doubt that physically, athletically, he's up to the challenge. The question is going to be what kind of experience deficit uh, is going to impact his his play? How is the experience deficit going to impact his level of play on the road when South Carolina is going to throw the kitchen sink at that defense? They're going to be testing the defense. They're going to be testing Watson and Brown and everybody in coverage situations, also running the ball. Um, the linebackers are going to have to be really good in coverage because South Carolina will throw to the backs. They'll throw to Hayden Hurst, their tight ends. Um, that's definitely one key to the game. I, I think Brown, Eli Brown, has played okay for the most part this year. I'm not surprised that he's gotten more and more playing time. That We've been hearing about that for a while. He's always going to be an undersized guy, um, but I don't think South Carolina is really the team that's going to exploit that lack of size so much you know he, he struggles sometimes you get him in the box and you get a blocker to square up and just kind of push him off the ball he struggles to disengage a little bit um, but he can get out in front of blocks he can explode on receivers and ball carriers in the flat and I think against South Carolina that's an opponent that Eli Brown and Watson can both be successful against and, and you know I still like Kentucky's front seven personnel against South Carolina's uh, offensive line backs and even their tight ends. I think Kentucky is not going to lose the game because they're front seven against South Carolina. I think South Carolina's offensive line, and I don't want to say it's been underwhelming, but it's not a dominant unit. They're not a team that's going to just run the ball down your throat and run over you for 250 yards. If they do, they're going to win the game. That would be a really bad sign. Um, to me, Kentucky's secondary is frankly under the microscope a little bit more than the front seven. You know, I, the, the defensive line's almost playing with house money this year because expectations were so low for them before the season. Um, the, the linebackers do need to get some pressure on Bentley, but if there's one unit on the on the defense that hasn't played up to expectations this year, in my mind, it's the secondary, especially in the second half against Southern Miss. Some of the poor tackling, some of the missed 50-50 balls and coverage situations, um, the soft zone coverage against... Eastern Kentucky allowing a high completion rate, not making a ton of big plays this year. Uh, the secondary is under the microscope for sure, and they're going to need to make big plays. They're going to need to hold their own play their best of, this, of the season. Um, obviously, a key to the game that everybody is talking about is eliminating big plays in the kicking game. I've heard this week that Austin McGinnis has worked on his 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 footing on the kickoffs and, and his run-up to the kickoffs and and there's some confidence that, that we're not going to have the hang time issues or see the hang time issues that we saw that led to a couple of scary kickoff return situations last week against Eastern Kentucky. I would be shocked if they put the ball in Debo Samuel's hands on kick and kickoffs situations in, in a spot that gave him a chance to impact the game. Just as bad as the coverage was and the, the kickoffs were last week against Eastern Kentucky, coupled with Samuel being the most explosive return man in the country right now, you can't go into that stadium and just kick the ball to that guy. And you're better off kicking the ball literally out of bounds. You know, you can't, I mean, you couldn't kick the ball out of bounds like five times because that creates a huge, you know, field position advantage for the whole game for South Carolina. But you can't just straight up kick to that guy. Mark Stoops is, would be would be just yanked back on the sideline by Mark Hill, the pullback guy. 
you know, because he would be livid. He would have to be livid. So another key is, you know, not giving up huge plays in the special teams game, but they've also got to be better across the board on special teams than they were against Eastern Kentucky. If they play the kind of special teams game that they played against Southern Miss, I think that would bode very well for their chances. And, you know, there's a tendency to react too strongly to what we just saw. It's like, well, South Carolina's got this great special teams unit. kind of. They don't have a great place kicking situation, and in a close game, that could be that could prove pretty pretty uh, decisive in the outcome. Um, and then you look at last week and say, well, Kentucky special teams are a mess. Eh, not really. I mean, they didn't play great last week, but you've seen what they're capable of just the previous week against Southern Miss. So you know, they got a, they had a lot of teaching moments last season, and I think that the special teams will actually perform fairly well i do think debo samuel is going to make his share of big plays just because he's one of the best players in the sec and they have enough weapons in other spots that kentucky can't just hone in on stopping debo samuel they have to respect hayden hurst they have to respect brian edwards they have to respect jacob bentley you know wherever he's looking on the field and whatever he's doing on the field so samuel i think is going to get his uh he just can't beat them single-handedly um, and then another key to the game is going to be those snap issues. You know, whether it's the Wildcat, whether it's Steven Johnson uh, under the gun, uh, they cannot have these drive-killing, turnover-risking, high, wide, wherever, but what it's supposed to be, where it's supposed to be snaps. Whether it's Bunchy Stallings or Nick Haynes, the crowd noise is going to be out of control. The cadence you know, the, the the snap count, all these things are going to be difficult for the offense. The center has to play a clean game. I listed it in our, in our staff roundtable. I listed it as the number one key to the game. Kentucky center has to play a clean game, especially in terms of snapping the football. This could be a game that, that where each team gets 12 possessions. Kentucky hasn't run a lot of plays this year. This could be like a, a, an 11-12 possession game. You can't give away one, two, or three possessions because of bad snaps or center issues, you know, whatever they are. So the keys so far, the keys to the game, I think, are kind of like avoid the really bad stuff. Don't give up a kickoff return for a touchdown. Incidentally, Kentucky has not given up a kickoff return for a touchdown in like 19 games. So I think sometimes Kentucky football fans are so fatalistic because of things that happened a long time ago, maybe not so long ago, and they think, well, Debo Samuel's going to do this. Well, they haven't given up a kickoff return for a touchdown in 19 games. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, so a key there, don't give up a big return. Another key, don't botch the snap. I do think something that Kentucky has to just not not do, something they have to do, is the offensive line has to push South Carolina's defensive line around. They got to play their best game of the year. They got to blow open holes. They got to run over Logan Stenberg at that left guard spot. Um, they got to control the line of scrimmage. They got to create favorable short yardage third down situations. They've got to win third down short yardage situations. They've got to extend drives, keep South Carolina's defense on the field for as long as possible. But this year, it's not just because you want to keep your defense off the field. you got to feel pretty good about where your defense is two weeks into the season. They need to run a lot of plays and to eat up clock because South Carolina's defense lacks quality depth. And, you know, their first two opponents this year haven't really been able to exploit that. But if Kentucky can continue the momentum on the ground that they built against Eastern Kentucky, especially in that second half, they can lean on that South Carolina defensive line, get to the second level, beat up those linebackers, pound on those guys a little bit over two or three quarters. 
Come late in the game, Benny Snell is going to be breaking a lot of tackles. Saheem King is going to be running past some gas guys. Whoever's in the Wildcats is going to start finding more success. If they can get up to 70, 75 plays in this game, I think, first of all, that would be a bellwether and a good sign, but that would mean South Carolina's defense would start to wear down late in that game. And now their first two opponents were not able to do that, but that's still the recipe in my mind for a team that doesn't have great quality depth, especially um, especially in the middle of the field. Um, but the offensive line has got to play a lot better because they've had not just snap issues, not just you know, Mr. Blown assignments, but they haven't moved the line of scrimmage, blown open the kind of holes that we saw last season. But there is room for optimism after the end of that Eastern Kentucky game. Um, South Carolina, about a seven-point favorite. Haven't looked at the line in a, in a few hours, but about a seven-point favorite. I think that's a fair line based on how the teams have played the start of this season. That means to me that South Carolina would be a three- or four-point favorite on a neutral field, and certainly missing Jordan Jones, missing two starters from injuries before the season. The fact that Kentucky hasn't looked especially crisp or good on the offensive side of the ball the first two weeks, that it's going to be such an emotionally charged, high-octane home crowd advantage. The fact that you know Bentley has gotten as much hype as he has, Samuel's as good as he is, and that South Carolina has a couple of wins that are better wins than Kentucky has so far. I'm not surprised at the line, but I will say this. Kentucky, the last time they were at Williams-Brice Stadium, the circumstances were not all that dissimilar. Uh, and I think that the talent is very even this game. you got to feel good about Steven Johnson going on the road. Uh, he, he's certainly poised. Uh, I pick Kentucky to win 27-24, and that's not me, me trying to be a homer or preaching to the choir. That's just I, I think we're going to see a Kentucky team rally and play its best game of the year amid a lot of the criticism of the offense and maybe the widespread expectation, uh, you know, either locally or some of the media covering the program or more the national media, um, I think they're going to rally in this this big road trip in in an SEC environment. I think they're going to get the the running game, the ground and pound game going better than it has at any point this year. I think they've got the advantage in a close game with Austin McGinnis, uh, giving them a more stable place-kicking situation. I think we're going to see Lynn Bowden, uh, take on an expanded expanded role in the offense and and make use of maybe the passing game from the Wildcat formation for the first time this year. I think C.J. Conrad is a matchup problem for South Carolina. Uh, Missouri hit a big, long touchdown pass to the tight end in last week's game, and South Carolina is going to have to respect the run. I think Conrad is going to make a big player too in this game. Certainly could see it going either way. Understand the line, but I did pick Kentucky to win their fourth game in a row in this series a huge game for both teams frankly frankly it's a huge game for south carolina just because it's their first home game and if they were to go 2-0 after at missouri and kentucky that gives them a very high floor for how they they might finish in the east doesn't mean they're going to win the east doesn't even mean they're going to contend in the east but you're 2-0 after two sec games that would be huge for this south carolina team this is a young south carolina team how are they going to handle they're going to handle uh, so, so many of the positive press clippings that they've gotten, even though they haven't been an overwhelming team. It's a big game for Kentucky um, because if they have any any dark horse aspirations of contending in the East, this is a game they need to win. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It's going to be very hard. I think I listed this game as maybe the third toughest game 
on the schedule this year before the season. And that wasn't because I like South Carolina's personnel better than anybody else's. I like Louisville's personnel, frankly, a little bit better. I like Tennessee's personnel, certainly Florida and Georgia's personnel better. But just the dynamics of the game, being that first home game for South Carolina and them anxious to break this three-game skid against Kentucky, I felt like this is going to be a really tough game to win. Nonetheless, as the game has gotten closer, I have picked Kentucky 27-24, Uh, And we'll see how it plays out. A big game for both teams. SEC football is here. The season is well underway, but it just feels a little bit different when SEC play is here. This is when it gets real. Derek LeBlanc talked about that. You know, you can't hide anywhere. This is is where the rubber meets the road, and everything cranks up a notch. The intensity, the toughness, the battles in the trenches – this is, uh, this is when Kentucky's program is ultimately judged, you know, how they fare in the SEC. So, again, this is uh, CatsIllustrated.com publisher Justin Rowland breaking down Kentucky, South Carolina. Stay tuned for our preview either late tonight or tomorrow. Jeff Drummond's going to have more for you, and we are going to be covering this thing at the House of Blue right up to kickoff. Keep it with us, as always, at Cats Illustrated. If you join, go premium now. You can get free months added to your account. We've got the football recruiting wire posted on the front page, pinned on the front page with all the latest news related item, junior college defensive tackle Dantrell Barkley just just decommitted from South Carolina. Wouldn't be surprised if Kentucky reaches out to him. They had in the past. Another link, fun fact between the Cats and the Gamecocks, but big game tomorrow night, Williams-Brice Stadium. Keep it tuned in to catsillustrated.com.